0: Now on to the podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by the Headset App. Are you looking for a simple solution for coach to catcher communication for the season that doesn't require bulky hardware in the dugout? Traditional communication gear can be a headache to set up and carry from game to game. But what if there's a game-changing solution? Introducing the Headset App, your new MVP in communication for coaches and catchers. Enjoy crystal clear Ultra HD audio without the Major League price tag. It's compatible with any Bluetooth headset or earbuds. Say goodbye to tangled wires and extra hardware. Ready to step up to the plate? Download the headset app for free today. Getting started is as easy as a home run trot. Create your account, invite your team, and start calling pitches. The headset app is ready for download in the App Store and on Google Play. Swing for the fences and download today to get a five-day free trial. And for a limited time, use abca 24 when you buy your pass for next season and save 10% find out more at the headsetapp.com. as we like to do with the ABC podcast in January, we're diving into all things nutrition with TCU assistant AD for sports nutrition, Jessica Highlander. Highlander started her role as the assistant director of sports nutrition at TCU in 2021 prior to her full-time position at TCU. She was a sports nutrition graduate assistant from 2019 to 2021. Highlander is a registered dietitian through the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and is a licensed dietitian in the state of Texas. Highlander's primary responsibility is assisting in the caring for the nutrition needs of all TCU student athletes, primarily through team education and individual counseling. Highlander is passionate about mentoring, mental health, and using up-to-date evidence-based research and practices to improve her athlete's performance. Highlander received her bachelor's degree in dietetics with a minor in chemistry from Olivet Nazarene University Highlander went on to do her dietetic internship and receive a master's degree in business administration from Dominican University. Most recently, Highlander received an additional master's degree in higher educational leadership from TCU. Prior to TCU, Highlander was involved in the sports nutrition departments at both Northwestern University and the University of Florida. Let's welcome Jessica Highlander to the podcast.
1: We're doing staff evals this week, and I've just been like (laughs) trying to hammer them all out in before we break for christmas so i's nutty i saw yeah.
0: your assistant ad i was like oh she's, yeah. she's got a lot more going on than just drink. oh
1: i know <laughs> too many administrative responsibilities honestly huh, that, i love it but
0: school that size too like that's what people yeah. don't realize i coached at iowa for nine years and uh you don't realize how um, a lot goes into it
1: Oh my gosh! I know. I was just talking to somebody about that. It's like, wait, who am I? Again? Am I a dietitian? I I don't even get to be a dietitian. Like ninety five percent of my job anymore because it's like just yes. managing people and making sure people are doing their jobs, yes. and so I can do mine and making yeah. sure no one needs help and all of that. Exactly. So, which is fine. That's what That's what I up for. do? Yep, exactly. Absolutely. I was so. I'm I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like Zach was like. Hey, so I I told this guy about you. This He's guy probably gonna reach out. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah, he was just like this guy. He Thanks, would just stopped by the fueling station. Yeah, <laughs> when I was in there one day, and he just goes, "Hey, yeah, someone's gonna reach out from you, from the ABCA, and and gonna like talk to you." And I was like, I don't even know what the ABCA is. Like, can you give me some context? Like nothing. And I was like, okay, cool. Sounds great. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, this is a big deal. Okay. I I was like, say less. Like I said, these are
0: some of my favorite ones that we do just because the January ones are are good because it's more stuff that that coaches and players can implement right away. Um, You know, some, especially like the convention, you'll see it's a big deal, the convention, but. There'll I'm be excited. coaches that'll, you know, will get up on stage, and they've already been through fall ball, and they're getting ready to start the season. So it's almost like they've got to wait until another calendar year to try to implement some of the baseball stuff. Where this stuff, they can, yeah. they can go after right away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm right. right,
0: Jessica Highlander, assistant AD for sports nutrition at TCU, previously at Northwestern and the University of Florida, but did undergrad work at Albert Nazarene, MBA from Dominican University, and master's now in higher ed from TCU. Yes, sir. Are there any other degrees that you need to get?
1: <laughs> no, I think I have the whole alphabet now, so I, I don't need to add any more to my signature.
0: <laughs> I guess med school is about it, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's about the same amount of years to get that beginning stages of the doctorate so yeah
0: which one of your degrees have you felt like is most beneficial to you right now with what you're doing
1: honestly i probably would say the mba just because i've moved into that director's role and there's some administrative responsibilities um but both of them are really valuable i mean i took specifically counseling courses um some leadership courses Um, But from like a budgetary standpoint and a management standpoint, the MBA was great. So um, honestly, I'm just really happy I didn't major in the same major and master in the same major so that I can have more tools in my toolbox and um, become a more well-rounded leader and uh, individual.
0: With this generation of athletes, are you feel like you're using the counseling degree more now with this generation of kids?
1: Yes. Um, I mean, I can't keep the athletes out of my office. Um, They're constantly coming in and nutrition is so individualized. It is very difficult to make um, broad statements and do broad educations. I mean, you can just to give them the basics, but it's not a one size fits all. Um, It's very much individualized and needs to be that way. It's very cool that it is that way and um, everybody reacts differently and needs different things. So, Yes, it's a very big skill that I've integrated into this role and all of our other roles on staff.
0: You and I are very similar because we were at small schools, but then at larger schools. I mean, what are some of the pros and cons of being a smaller school and then a larger school?
1: Larger school tends to have some more resources. Usually Um, they're a little more updated and in the know when it comes to, oh, nutrition is something that's necessary. Like all the schools are doing it. We want to be the up and coming. We don't want to be behind. Um, where, uh, sometimes the smaller schools are just satisfied with what works, um, and just kind of a little less, you know, want to be cutting edge a little less like, yeah, we need four dietitians. It's more, Oh no, two dietitians are doing it fine. We're cool with that. Um, so that's kind of the biggest difference I would say. If
0: you had to go back to a smaller school was, would there be anything you would rework? I mean, obviously budgetary Hmm. issues, you know, we have a lot of coaches that are at smaller schools that have budgetary issues. I mean, if you could go back to a smaller school, where would you start?
1: Honestly, probably that budget piece. I think that that's like one of the bigger challenges, obviously, of smaller programs. But sometimes, honestly, simpler is better. Um, And we get so stuck in the weeds of um, all of the things that can be tied up in nutrition that we forget about the basics a lot of the times. And so having a simpler setup allows you to focus on those basics. And um, there's a lot that a quick Sam's Club can run can do for you, honestly, and just getting in your normal basic food um, with a lot of thought and care behind it. So just having that professional behind the planning piece um, to get your get your kids the right stuff
0: Yeah, we, uh, we rate like a lot of the money that we raised the last stop I was at went to trying to feed our players. Like, post workout on the road, that's where a lot of our stuff went into just because I felt that was an important thing because it usually falls by the wayside. And if if your players aren't properly, don't have proper nutrition, like their performance is going to struggle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I am so lucky that I work with an awesome strength coach um, with our baseball program, and um, I've worked with a bunch of really awesome strength and conditioning coaches in the past where they basically say, I can't do my job unless you're doing your job. Um, If you can't get them to eat, it's kind of useless for them to be in here. And I couldn't agree more. If you don't have the building blocks to build the muscle, if you don't have the ingredients to do the recipe, how are you supposed to make it? um how are you supposed to have muscle how are you supposed to run faster if you don't have the fuel how do you make a car go without it
0: what are some things over the years that maybe are are good in theory but maybe not good in practice
1: hmm that's a good question um that one all right. I'm not going to lie. I've definitely had, um, some bro science, uh, thrown my way before. <laughs>
0: There's a lot uh, on social media. Now we're going to get into the weeds a little yes. bit on some, uh, some of the misconceptions that are out. Oh. Cause you see the snake oil salesman out everywhere now.
1: They, yes. They target our, our poor athletes. And if they don't have the right education, they are falling into some sometimes dangerous, but silly, uh, traps there. So uh, what are some
0: mistakes. that, like, stick out to you that some of the athletes have, have brought to you and you're like, this doesn't make any sense?
1: Uh, the carnivore diet? Absolutely <laughs> It used to be called Keto not.
0: or it used to be called uh, Atkins, right? Yeah. It was Atkins. It's
1: called – I mean, we're just putting a prettier bow on it each time, each round, you know, just trying to make it fresh and more, more trendy and more extreme. Everybody likes the extreme, so – um, yeah. Carnivore diet with the whole liver King deal. Oh, him. by the way,
0: liver Kings on a bunch of steroids that just came, that oh. came out oh, last yeah. year. Absolutely. That, that I cat, mean, look at him, look at him. Yes. Look yeah.
1: Him. I'm sorry to say that no nutrition is going to make you look like that naturally. Yes. No, no, uh, walk, uh, going through with the strength through with the strength and conditioning coach is gonna allow you to get that big without something fake behind
0: it. So, and that is probably the thing that most people need to hear from a macronutrient standpoint. Correct. Is like, you need all of them.
1: Yes, absolutely. They each have their own role and they can't do their jobs without the other ones. Um, and so there isn't anything, uh, flashy or sexy or, uh, crazy about most, actual nutrition knowledge and education it's very focused on balance and uh, moderation and how to eat and when to eat it's very um, time oriented and uh, time managed that's really important honestly consistency Um, and those things alone will do some magic for you
0: i mean do talk about the evolution of nutrition at the high school college and pro level because we've advanced a lot
1: yeah absolutely yeah so I think the biggest area it is in right now is the collegiate level, um, which is incredible because a lot of the athletes that do make it to that next level are are bringing that to the professional level's attention. They're like, oh, well, where's our dietitians? How are we supposed to do this without that? Um, because they're used to having it at the college level. Um, so I think that it's grown tremendously at the college level within the Big 12, which is what I'm in. Um, the average that you have on staff is about four to five. So you're having four to five, take care of, um, athletes. We had a physician paper that just came out that says, you know, the proper, um, standard of care is about a hundred athletes per dietitian. Um, and so we're trying to move to that so that all of our athletes get that care. So there's been a lot of progress there, um, and awareness. Um, and then I know at the MLB level, it's required. You have to have um, a dietitian on staff in some capacity looks very different within each organization, but um they have to have one and it's benefited their performance teams, their athletes and everything extraordinarily and has just been firing off. Um they're used hiring to be the clubhouse more and more.
0: guy was taking care of it.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> who was done the laundry, who man. was doing it, yeah, who had yes. no no
0: background and In nutrition was not a dietitian. Oh,
1: well, let's just talk about the fact that, you know, guys were grabbing six packs and going to McDonald's and smoking a cigar in the dugout. (laughs) And now we have, you know, all these like very tailored products to our, uh, to fuel our guys. So it's definitely come a long way.
0: And, And so what does the research say out there too, about maybe off season or in season as far as nutrition?
1: Yeah. So for baseball specifically, um, off season so when you're in that fall ball when you're when you're still playing but in a lower capacity and obviously not a crazy as crazy of a schedule um you really want to focus on muscle building um and so that means eating consistently um to promote that muscle building i always say unfortunately you can't eat on muscle or else i'd be jacked. that's what i always say uh, but you can eat to support that muscle growth well um so i do a of education with our guys um, in the in the summer leading up to fall and then also in the fall in how to maintain their weight um, because that becomes a unique challenge during season as well but how to kind of put them at the forefront of it and maybe even have a little bit of excess weight on them in order to create that cushion for season Um, and I mean that weight comes in both muscle mass and a little bit of fat mass so we do uh, body composition testing um three times a year we'll do it right when they come in um, and right when our strength and conditioning coach starts training them and then we'll get it right at the end of the fall so we just finished up um our second one with our team and that measures that goal um of how much muscle mass they have been able to put on during that training time and then as we know obviously spring very rigorous schedule lot of on the go, way less controllable because of being away from their home um, and not having the foods that they're used to or not having a say in what they're eating, really. Um, They tend to lose weight um, in general, uh, but also they're not in the weight room as much because they can't be. Um, And they're using more uh, a different type of energy source and tapping into that. And so um, we see a big decrease in their weight. So my job is to make sure we don't see that decrease or we see a lot less of a decrease so that's more of my focus when we're in season is how can we um get more in these guys while they're outputting um the games are long that's a long time to go without food and we eat pregame, you know three hours before that um so their last meal is like six hours um apart from each other by the time that they eat at the end of a game So what are we doing in between to at least maintain ourselves and the output that we're doing during the game? So the focus in the fall is more of that muscle building and getting ready for season and focusing on packing that on. And then um, in season is maintaining that as much as possible. And we'll do another body composition test at the end of the season to see how well we did there. And if we need to make any adjustments the next year in order to maintain that better. Or if there's an excess fat mass that was gained, how to cut back on that. Um, But that data really gives us a good idea. Objective data uh, gives us a good idea of what we need to be continuing and working on each in-season and out-of-season.
0: Are they tracking caloric intake?
1: Some of our guys are. So I'm not a big numbers person. I'm not going to lie when it comes to uh, food. I want to focus more on um, how you're feeling. And – you know, you're not fatiguing out, you're not struggling with cramping, you're not, um, you know, losing energy really fast, you have the energy to last all nine innings plus, um, and you're running just as fast as you are the first time as you are the second time and keeping that up. That's what I'm more focused on. Um, but there are some guys that really struggle with gaining weight in general that I will put on specific calories that I need them to be meeting because it's challenging to meet that much. Uh, I rarely will do a weight loss one. That's not a huge struggle that I've seen in baseball over the years, but it has come down to that. I usually use the numbers more when it's we're hitting a point of difficulty in doing it in a more um, natural, holistic way.
0: any in game nutrition or maybe liquid nutrition closer to game time because I know that's a long it is it's a long pregame. so any any yeah. liquid nutrition op- options or nutrition in game?
1: yeah. So what we currently do, um, and it helped a ton this last season, especially with how long our season was, um, we did fuel boxes. So I would um, create boxes. I did a ton of education on the front end of what went into these fuel boxes, and we did protein options as well as some quick carbohydrates um, that they were supposed to, per- to pair together and eat some guys it was every inning some guys it was every other inning to help maintain their weight throughout the whole game and keep their energy levels up because you have to also remember obviously there's such a strong cognitive uh, part of baseball as well and if you don't have the right fuel it's not even just about the physicality at that point it's about the mentality too so we need to keep your mental sharpness up um and so we'll put those fuel boxes in there and you know I'm coming up to the guys too and I'm like, hey, I haven't seen you have anything in your hands in a long time, here it is if I know their snack or go get something. So we do a lot of, I try to do as much of like food food instead of liquid food, but I also have um, a cooler full of chocolate milk, protein sources, Um, we do boost. So those high calorie boosts um, that help with getting in, you know, 530 calories and eight ounces for some of our guys that really need that um, our pitchers get really nervous stomachs. So that helps them too. I was a nervous Um, stomach
0: guy too. So just shout out to all those nervous stomach players, which is a good thing (laughs) because it's your body's preparation to go out and compete. It's just hard to get any sort of calories in at that point.
1: Absolutely. And I, I have a really good relationship with the guys and um, try to really learn them too. So I can learn stuff like that, where if you need it to be liquid calories, let's work out a plan. Like, how how close are we doing that to when you're actually on the mound versus what are we doing when you get off the mound and and all of that too. So um, the other thing is that we added this past year was pre-fuel. So they have their pre-game meal, meal about three to four hours out. Then we do some pre-fuel right after BP. Um, and that consists of foods that they're really comfortable with and that they feel really good eating. So it's not going to be heavy, but it's going to be calories and it's going to be carbohydrate focused. So I do a ton of fresh fruit. Man, these guys kill fresh fruit. Holy! I think we go through like four watermelons, like six bunches of banana, like a ton of fruit. Um, and, and grapes get that. in the
0: quickest, right? That's correct, right? Grapes that that from a glycemic standpoint, I think grapes get digested quickest.
1: They do. They grapes do um, because they have less fiber, and watermelon's pretty good too. Watermelon's a little higher in fiber, but the fiber slows it down. Which is not always a bad thing when it comes to baseball because there's a lot of gap between explosive movements, and so um, that's kind of been um, the difference in working with other athletes that I've worked with in the past, and then working with baseball is it's a slow it's a slow energy game. So you do need you know those bursts of energy, especially for for throwing, for running, for hitting, all of that. But then there's a lot of standing in between that. And so how do you not make your blood sugar go all these peaks and all these valleys and you kind of keep it more steady and give yourself a little boost right before you go and do those explosive movements that you need to do.
0: And then post-activity, more protein, obviously, than carbohydrates.
1: Yes, sir. Yep. We are definitely hammering in recovery. Um, Baseball is a long season and, Uh, weekend series it's boom 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 so you gotta recover well especially when the games end really late which is very common um if you have to wake up and do it all again the next day you've got to give yourself the right nutrients to do that just to come back just as strong
0: and sleep as well right because obviously if you're not getting any rest it doesn't allow your body to recover at all
1: correct yep and so there's been research that's been put out regarding protein, um, before bed. It really can help repair your muscles. And, um, we try to get it in within 45 minutes of them finishing. Um, cause that's when your muscles are a little bit more absorptive and in that absorptive state, um, is that ca- case
0: protein, is that still recommended? Cause it's a slower releasing protein.
1: It works for some people. Some people have sensitive stomachs to it. Whey protein works for Either way, really, whatever you have and your stomach sits well on your stomach is going to benefit you. Um, the problem that I had to counter and face when I got into it is at 10 p.m., these guys don't want to eat anything. Yes. They're done. They want to go to bed. And I don't blame them. <laughs> so <laughs> what can I get in front of them that they're actually going to drink or eat before they, you know, hit the hay, hit the hay? So, uh, yeah, that's that's been a challenge this past year. Um, but we've been progressing in it, and it's super, duper important. Honestly, that recovery piece is huge in baseball.
0: Are there any safe supplements for sleeping?
1: Yes. Um, there are, Melatonin is well-studied it's very hit or miss. Kinda, cause it kind of, cause you
0: hear out there maybe the, from the hormone standpoint of melatonin, that's why I'm asking. Cause you always hear so yeah. many different obviously social media, you're going to hear a million different things. The melatonin's <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not cause it throws your hormones off. So that's why I asked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of supplement garbage out there to be completely honest.
0: I mean, what's uh, a safe, safe option for melatonin if somebody's going to take it?
1: So you always want to be taking supplements, whether it's melatonin or not, that are third party tested. Um, third party, meaning that an outside company that has no uh, affiliation with the supplement company that it's checking out. So the two most popular are NSF certified and um, certified for sport. And so you'll see those two labels on a supplement. Typically, it'll it's like a little blue circle that says NSF on the inside and then informed choice. Uh, for sport has a little check mark inside of a green box. Um, But this, the company comes in and they have rigorous standards for the facility. They batch test. So the biggest thing is dosage. So whenever you get a supplement, it might say 200 milligrams of X, Y, and Z. But since no one's regulating, it could be 20 grams of it. It could be 500 milligrams, who knows? You know, Um, so these third party tested supplements are safest and they make sure that there's no banned substances in them um so that would be the first thing to look at and then the second thing to look at is obviously research on dosage so a lot of these supplements will have these like mega doses of things and sometimes that can screw you up sometimes that will mess with your hormones that will mess with your bodily functions like don't try to do that. <laughs> you don't need that. Um, even of vitamins and minerals and things like that, I can mess you up. So, um, asking a doctor or asking a dietitian, you know, how much of this should I be taking what's appropriate for my gender weight, um, and, and sport and activity level and everything, um, so that they can make like actual scientifically backed, uh, recommendation for that. Um, mm-hmm. But to go back to your sleep question, magnesium biglycinate is actually awesome. Um, And dosage depends on your weight and your gender, but uh, about 200 milligrams should probably be a good, can be a good starting point for that. It is a natural muscle relaxant. Um, That and cherry juice, actually. Uh, Cherry cherry juice juice, has natural melatonin, which sits better and works better for people than a pill form of melatonin. And so I have athletes that ritually take their cherry juice concentrate shots with their uh, magnesium every night and they sleep like babies. So, um, yeah, it does miracles. Those are, those are my two go-tos when it comes to sleep, but there are other things that are upcoming research wise. Ashwagandha is a really popular one. Um, and they just put out the first third party tested, um, ashwagandha by clean athlete. Um, and I don't have any association with clean athlete or anything like that. They just happen to be the ones that put it out first. Um, but there's not as much research backed behind the dosing of that. And so, again, just making sure you check in with a doctor or a dietitian to help um, test out the dosing for that because some weird stuff can happen if you take too much or and whatnot. But, yeah, there's there's a lot supplements can do, and there's a lot of different things that work for different people.
0: You deal with a really diverse incoming group. And what you eat, how you eat uh, are habits and, and that's habit forming. So how do you help kids make healthier choices? Maybe if they haven't had a lot of healthier options before they've gotten to mm-hmm.
1: you. Yeah, that's a great question. And so I oversee baseball, but I oversee uh swim and dive and men's tennis as well here personally. And then oversight of technically all of our sports. Um, I have staff that take care of them personally, but I mean, we have athletes that come from all different backgrounds, um, all different economic states. Um, Some kids don't know what some some vegetables are like, you don't, you don't want to assume. I think I took my nutrition knowledge for granted before I got into this field. And, you know, I knew what a protein, carbon fat was growing up, um, but not everyone does. And that's okay. That's what we're here for. So I just, You always have to go into the conversation, just not assuming. Um, And I've learned there's no baseline of knowledge. There's no common sense when it comes to nutrition and you're going to turn people off if you have that attitude. And so just going in with kind of an open mind and um, approaching it from humility uh, to help them understand. But I mean, I think exposure is the biggest thing and education is the biggest thing when it comes to, Helping educate them on different things that they may not have had. Um, I mean, we have we're lucky enough to have a dining facility just for our athletes that I wrote the menu write the menus for and make sure that there's a great balance of stuff in there. But they don't know what all that stuff is. Uh, they've never seen maybe quinoa before. They don't know what farro is. Like they don't know um, certain fishes that we serve in there. And I get to be the one that opens their eyes to that. And that's probably one of the coolest parts of my job, honestly, is getting and teach them what it is, what it can do for them, like how to use it and, um, teach them some basic skills that they get to take with for the rest of their lives and teach their kids and change things from a generational standpoint.
0: So when you are kind of setting the menu, I mean, where are you starting with that? And then how do you rotate it?
1: Yeah, so we run off of a five-week menu um, rotation, so we write a hotline. We have an action station, which is a little bit more interactive, so either someone's cooking it fresh for you right there and then customize the way you want it, or it's a self-serve customization. Um, And then we have a salad bar, full salad bar always. We have a soup bar. um, We have a sandwich station. We have a pasta station. We have a yogurt parfait, build-your-own yogurt parfait, Um, a fresh squeeze orange machine, which is very popular, um, and a kombucha station. So uh, we try to give them a lot of options and variety uh, to, again, educate them, but to serve all of our different populations and all of our different types of athletes. Um, So I usually start with the hotline, make sure that that's real solid. um, And then the action station is always the most popular. So Um, we do, I mean, we do everything in there. We'll do hot subs. We do, uh, power bowls. We do sushi. We do all sorts of things, um, with our athletes and it's so fun. It's really great. Um, but it also brings our athletes together and gives them a place to, uh, come at the end of the day and relax and not worry about a meal. So it's really cool.
0: And then how often in between like main meals are you recommending they eat? Because obviously meal frequency, I think is still important, correct? And going too long without getting calories.
1: Yes. So I was just talking to a baseball player about this this morning. It is super annoying how fast our bodies start to break down (laughs) after all the hard work that we put in. And nutrition is definitely a way to help um, slow that process down and to prevent breakdown. So I recommend eating about every two to three hours, whether that's a meal or a snack. Um, and there should always be protein in that, um, always. And at meals, I I always say everybody's got a hand, so stick up your hand. At meals, you should have at least a hand's worth of protein. And I realize everybody's hand is different size, and that's going to look different for everybody, but that's at least a good starting point. And then I know you're getting about 20 to 30 grams of protein for each meal. And then for snacks, I always say aim to about 10 to 15 obviously, depending on your weight goal. So if you're maintaining 10 to 15, if you're trying to gain about 2025, if you're trying to lose closer to that 10. um, And doing that in between, I always say two snacks, three meals is kind of a minimum. And then if you do need help getting in some extra calories, that nighttime snack is absolutely key. um, And making that a very high protein snack.
0: That's the same for adults, too. I mean, we have coaches listening in. If a coach wants to kind of get on top of what they're doing, it's the same thing for them as well, correct?
1: Yep. It all depends on your activity level. So um, I think it's great for your metabolism, or I don't think. I know it's great for your metabolism. It's great for your muscle maintenance. um, It's great for your acuity and for your ability. It's like a natural stimulant to eat, too. So it's going to help you stay on your game a little bit longer all day, and you're never worried about... You know, your stomach growling or any of that. Um, so yeah, it just depends on, it just changes what is in those snacks and meals um, that would be different, obviously, from like an athlete who is working out twice a day and practicing for four hours.
0: So with, from a protein standpoint, is it still, I mean, what they kind of say from a general rule of thumb is like one gram of protein for how much you weigh. So if you weigh 160 pounds, 160 grams of protein in a day is is good.
1: Um, I would say it probably depends on your weight goal um, and what your goals are in general. So what I learned in school for the general population, it's anywhere from 0.8 to 1 um, gram per kilogram of weight instead of pound. Um, So it's significantly less. Our bodies are actually pretty efficient, so they don't need these mega doses all the time that we kind of get pumped into our heads you're trying to gain weight, obviously, it it is really helpful. And if you're trying to put on a a ton of muscle mass, it's very helpful to increase. But for an athlete, I always put them at like 1.2 to 1.5 grams per kilogram. Um, And that puts them at a pretty good uh, range as far as what they're trying to reach. I also want to be practical with them. That's the biggest thing is, are they going to be able to eat that? Like, are they going to be able to actually match that with their school schedule and their practice schedule? And So what are some realistic goals like let's be let's be absolutely real here and set something like that. And then are they taking creatine? Are they taking supplements that uh, require more protein in their diet and help quicken their muscle development? So um, that's another thing. Again, very individualized. um, And that's why I have a job.
0: For the incoming kids, because we we get parents that listening to that are gonna have kids go to college. What do you wish that the kids coming into college knew about nutrition?
1: I wish it was a bigger deal in high schools. I that is their biggest growth time, and so many kids have no idea how to eat, have no idea about pre fuel and during fuel and recovery, and um, so. Eat food. <laughs> That's definitely a big message that I always try to uh, say. I was a high school athlete and I definitely did not eat enough around activity. Um, but I also think it's really important to get involved in a strength and conditioning program at a younger age. That's another lacking area, I'd say, um, and learn how to develop um, those skills in the weight room before you get to that college level because you will just. Take off in college if you have those basics. Um, it's a total investment, honestly, um, and that's not even from a nutrition perspective. And then, obviously, if you have access to a dietitian or a nutrition, find your individualized plan, get that education for yourself from a licensed professional, and do not try what is just out on Instagram and what the latest trends are because it could actually end up damaging you.
0: Consider the source, but.
1: Yes, go to the source, the right sources and um, get the information that you need and know how much you should be eating and do it and be consistent. Consistency is honestly key when it comes to nutrition. You cannot just gain uh, weight or the appropriate weight or put on muscle mass overnight or just by doing it once. Um, You have to stay consistent with that nutrition just like you do in the weight room. Yeah,
0: the body doesn't know what day of the week it is. It's just Monday through Sunday. The body just keeps turning that thing on. if you can get consistent. When do you open up for breakfast then for your athletes?
1: So we actually do not provide breakfast here at TCU. Um, We provide dinner. Um, That's the only meal we're we're supported for financially. And so for breakfast, if teams want to provide that for them, they will. Um, but we do restock their satellite fueling stations, which are their specific team designed um fueling areas in their locker room or team space, what it may be. Um, and so we do put breakfast items in there. So we will put like Kodiak cake, muffins, and um like higher protein options. We do uh Jimmy Dean scramblers, uh breakfast sandwiches, things like that to at least jumpstart them and kind of at least if they are running late to class and need to grab a quick breakfast. They're able to do so, um, but we educate a ton on get a real breakfast in. It's the greatest part to start your it's day. It's still the most important meal of the day, isn't it? I do. I really do think that. I, I know too. it's cliche, but it's very mine. Isn't a lot, but it's
0: at least enough after a workout. I work out every morning, so it's at least it's a chocolate milk and a banana for me. Yeah, there you go, nine year old. that works for me. <laughs>
1: Chaga milk does amazing things. I'm a big fan of chaga milk. So, Shout anything out to with to milk, milk, the win.
0: It's lactose free. Yes. And it's Got it. Ton, yep. ton of protein oh. in it. You know, for you. And your, it tastes
1: like heaven. Yes, it does.
0: It tastes delicious. Shout out Fair Life. I don't, I'm not sponsored yes. by them either. So I know me either.
1: I just freaking love them. So,
0: so for your off campus athletes and maybe with programs that, that don't provide that, what are you? relaying from them from a meal prep standpoint, how to kind of plan their week out from a meal prep standpoint. What are you relaying to them on that?
1: Um, So again, that consistency and that time management, They don't have a lot of time. So I try to be really realistic with them of, okay, do you have the financial stability to get ready, prepared meals? Here are some really good frozen options. Here are some things that you can prepare in like five minutes here are things that you can prepare. If you have more time, it's really meeting that athlete where they are and making the plan realistic for them so that they actually do it. Um, and again, that comes with individualized care. So it looks different for every single person. Um, but I mean, I've gone to the grocery store with athletes. Like I'm doing it this Friday with actually our dive team. We're getting them ready for, um, training camp where they're going to go off and live in a hotel for a week that, has some limited cooking um, supplies for them. And so I'm going to take them to the grocery store. We do a fake uh, purchase of what they need for that and so that they're prepared for when they get there. Um, Buy a Crock-Pot.
0: Buy a Crock-Pot. and an air fryer. Air fryer. Get both of them. It will save you a lot of time and money.
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, So it's really meeting them where they are because there are some great frozen options. There are some great... um, companies out there that do ready to eat meals. But I mean, I do full blown education, because I want them to learn cooking skills. Like I want them to have human life skills when they leave uh, TCU and are better in the kitchen, better in the grocery stores, know how to do those things once they get out. So it's, it's really about how to have that balance on the go, how to have that, that um, protein, carb, fat, uh, fruit and color um even at McDonald's, even at um you know Jimmy John's, even at you know Pop Belly, anywhere that they're eating or when they have the chance to make it. So you can make anything work for you. It's just about having the knowledge behind it.
0: What are healthy fat options?
1: Uh avocados, uh avocado oil, for lunch olive today. oil. Oh, perfect. I love avocados. They go all good on everything. Shout out honestly. to my mom.
0: We we had raw vegetables around a lot so i just i put salt on them I actually mixed in with my chili today so that's what nice. I, that's what i had for lunch what
1: today. raw vegetables we got
0: uh i will eat just about anything other than lima beans Ooh, or for peas you. but yeah the, the legume for family is not a friend of mine i will eat beans <laughs> especially if it's Happened. in like chili or soup but uh but avocado is one of my favorite so
1: I yes i am a big fan of avocados too um and they work great in anything honestly I mean you can put it on a piece of toast you can put it in a smoothie you won't taste it it actually makes it real creamy um so hey do you have any tips eat. on
0: avocados to make sure they're not like uh, for me it's still a guessing game when you cut into it if it's gonna look good or not <laughs> I, I'm serious, I, like, okay
1: <laughs> yes so if you take off that little top part like the stem part you can tell um if it's green it's underripe, um and so the like you don't want it to be gross, dark brown, but you want it to be like brown. And then that means it's ready to eat. Okay.
0: All right. Good. Cause that's for me, it's a guess. That's worked game. well for me at least. It's a guessing game.
1: It's kind of like the watermelon thing. Like how do you pick out a watermelon? Yeah. People knock on it. People roll them. It's, it's hit or miss. Yes, it is.
0: All right. I want to do a speed round. I'm just going to throw something out and quick trigger. Um, just let me know when you're ready. All right. I'm ready. All right. Protein.
1: I think of steak. (laughs) Um, What about protein powders? Okay, good, good question. Uh, Protein powders are a supplement and real food is always better than a supplement. Supplements are exactly that. They are supplementary to your diet. So if you can get it in in, as a real form of food, that is preferred. But if you are on the go and you need it as more of a practical way of getting in your recovery, then it's a great option as well.
0: All right. Thoughts on creatine?
1: Love it. I think every athlete should be on it. Um, It is awesome for recovery. It's great for cognitive health. Health, It actually helps with concussions. Um, It's incredible and well-researched-backed as far as muscle development and growth. I think every high school athlete should take it in in the matter of helping them grow and prepare for that next level that they're going for.
0: Beta-alanine. (laughs)
1: tingly is the first word that comes to mind. Um, I think beta alanine can be beneficial. It can be helpful for recovery. I think creatine is better. I don't think you necessarily need to take both of those things. And if you're going to take one, I would take creatine. Although creatine sometimes causes some stomach issues and digestive stuff. And beta alanine is a good alternative to creatine. Caffeine moderation. <laughs> um, is huge in the baseball and athletics world in general. Um, it can be dangerous at the collegiate level. Um, if you pop over 500 milligrams, it's a positive drug test. Um, so being careful with your sources and how much and the timing of it. It's not all bad. It definitely works um, but you do not, science shows you do not need crazy high amounts in order to achieve the benefits of caffeine and stay away from caffeine drinks, please. Yes. Energy drinks are so dangerous. And people That's wonder <laughs> why they
0: can't get to bed either. Cause they're drinking caffeine yeah. so late and that really does affect yes. sleep. Anything afternoon is probably going to affect your sleep at some point.
1: Yep. It has a 12 uh, hour life. And so, and it's actually something I've been looking at recently, it's, it has a 12 hour full life, but it also has a half life and a quarter life. And so the half life is at six hours, but then it has a quarter life, which doubles its last half. So when you think it's out of your system, you still have a portion of it in your system that actually lingers on. And so, um, yeah, it's going to mess up your sleep and sleep is way more beneficial than that caffeine ever could give you uh, an edge.
0: Vitamins vitamin supplements
1: Um, again third-party tested always but yes I think a multivitamin is a bare minimum is great athletes have higher needs than an average human and especially if they're not eating enough in their diet a multivitamin can help kind of fill in those cracks and boost your immunity
0: do you guys do blood work with athletes
1: we do yep especially when there's something going on
0: okay so it, it does everybody get blood work done when they show up like is that part of their physical
1: no um no we do it more of like uh pre- not preventatively we do it more reactively so if something's going on and we're just trying to kind of get a better picture of everything but I highly recommend um especially if you have something going on at all or you kind of feel fatigued out that Is that or... a big one
0: that you're going to check if somebody's getting fatigued you'll you'll do blood work with them?
1: Yes, always always. I just want to know full picture what we what we we're dealing with and the why behind it.
0: So for somebody that is getting fatigued, so what's a red flag on blood work of m- maybe why that is happening?
1: So iron uh, deficiency, it's a lot less um, popular. I don't see it as much in males, but I have seen it in males. So it's definitely something worth checking. Um, vitamin D is a big one. If you have low vitamin D, low B12, actually low any B vitamin in general, um, is they're all involved in your energy system and, and putting out energy. Um, so checking all of those things is something. And then thyroid function, um, the hormones that are developed and produced by your thyroid it's also what drives your energy.
0: Okay. Back to the questions. Uh, beef.
1: <laughs> think of the carnivore diet. Um, I think that there's a lot of, um, hubbub out there about red meat and it being bad, but it's actually really beneficial. It's very high in iron. Speaking of iron. It has a lot of creatine um, too it sure does. It's one of the higher sources of it. And so it's natural. Um, and your body's, again, your body's always going to absorb nutrients better when it's eating it in food versus supplements. So yes, I think it's a really important part to integrate into your diet.
0: And we talked about that in previous ones with creatine to get the amount that you need, like you'd have to eat like a massive amount of steak. So like, that's why yes. you need a creatine supplement because you can't, yes. you can't physically eat that amount of, of me to, to get that yes. amount of creatine, and that's why you need it. So, all right, alcohol.
1: Yeah. Um. No nutritional value, no value at all. Uh, I'm not against drinking. Uh, I'm very realistic with my athletes. I know this is college, but um, I really think it is one of those things out there that you get zero benefit from. There is only negative things that happen when you involve athlete or involve alcohol. It's a poison. Um, it is. It's it really it's so bad for your body. It's so bad for your hormone development. It's so bad for your performance. It's for it's terrible for your recovery. It messes up your sleep. Um, it is it, it can stay in your system up to 72 hours and remain in there. So for something like baseball where you need to stay sharp and you need to stay on it, it can literally mess with you for 72 hours. Um it's there's nothing good about it. Yeah. Nicotine. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs>
0: And I, the, the reason I brought those up too, because I listen to Huberman Lab Huberman Lab podcast. I do like Andrew a lot. I, I was on him when he first started just because his first couple episodes, I was a huge fan of. And yes. I think he takes really complex stuff and, and simplifies it to make it understandable. But you know, obviously yes. from a cognitive standpoint, caffeine and nicotine have some values, but obviously smoking cigarettes is not good for you. Like the carcinogenic factor, yeah. but just the nicotine supplement or caffeine supplement themselves... Does have some cognitive benefit to it. It's just the vehicle that you're putting it into your system. Um, obviously, means a lot whether it's healthy or not. And obviously, health. Well, an amount.
1: Just oh, it's all about the amount too, and doing it correct. Like having the guidance again for it and doing it well. Everybody loves the extremes, and they always think more is better, and that is not always true.
0: Are you guys using a tech or apps to kind of help with this?
1: Yes. So. Um, right now we're using carbon actually, which is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bylane um, and his app it's called carbon. It is a tracking app. Um, it allows us to see what our athletes are eating and keep them accountable for what they're eating. So like I said earlier, that's kind of my more extreme. I don't necessarily go to that right away, but for that accountability fact, especially, I'm like, you need to at least log your breakfast. I need to see that you're eating a breakfast. Um, and so I'll use it for, for something like that or for a weight gain guy, especially, he's saying he's eating three meals a day and two snacks and one before bed, but he's not gaining any weight. Okay, well then now you need to log so I can actually see what you're doing and make sure you're telling me the truth and um, take pictures alongside of that. So that's the app we use currently. Um, we do pair with some of our teams and them using, you know, their polar devices um, and Whoop devices and, and trackers like that, that kind of help us see who are our high burners who all have crazy metabolisms and um, are burning way more calories on the, on the corridor and on the field or on the pool than other athletes so that we can help better match um, those outputs and create special plans um and game day strategies to help them with that. Um, Those are the two bigger ones I would say. Another platform that's awesome that I will give a shout out to. We don't use them as much anymore, unfortunately. Um, But Note Meal has been incredible. That's a platform that um, helps build out um meal plans and um, it it gives you an opportunity to converse with the athlete on the other side, similar to carbon. Um, but a little bit more um, involved in generating grocery lists for them based on the meal plan and um, all that. So those are the, the apps that I and the technology that we've kind of gravitated towards. And then our body composition testing, we use a bod pod. Um, so it uses air displacement in order to track their body composition. And that has been really cool just to kind of we had one in R- R- Western
0: H- Illinois, and we never – we couldn't yeah. – I, I just – I wish we'd, we didn't use it because it was in the kinesiology department, and it was across the street. But, you know, everybody talks about it, and I'm like, man, I should have sent our guys over there.
1: It is a very – I mean, I have pro guys that come back and, like, ask, like, Jessica, can you please get me into the bod pod? Because even where they're at now, they don't have that, and so – um, it's really cool it really helps me do my job better it helps our shining conditioning um, to have a better picture it gives great information to our coaches for those teams that we allow to see those um, results so, so what are you getting uh,
0: out of that so what's the printout when when they step into that and then they step out what are you getting out of that
1: so we get our their total mass we get their fat free mass which is not just that's commonly um, miss. Thought of it's it's also like their skin, their nails, their organs, and their muscle mass, and then their fat mass, and then that generates a percentage. But the really cool thing that um, Cosmed, the company that create that has the Bod Pods, um, they developed is a standard deviation for sports specifics, and for some sports, it's even event specific. um And so that creates, you know, that collects data from all around the world for everybody from everyone in that sport that uses those devices anonymously to help us see the performance standards or the body composition standards of an elite baseball player of an elite swimmer. Um, and we can say, you know, you're a little outside of it. You're a little too, too, you know, too much fat mass here. There's a little too little fat mass. I mean, I had an athlete last year. I will not name him because he will kill me, but um, he, He was 1.6% body fat, and that is extremely low, and he cramps all the time because he doesn't have enough body fat on him, and that number helped us identify that and come up with a plan to make sure that he didn't struggle with that, or we could at least prevent it 90% of the time. Um, He was just spooning peanut butter and eating Cheez-Its in the dugout constantly um, to get that weight up, but... Um, yeah, so it really opens our eyes to where our athletes are at, how we can help them nutritionally, where they're falling from a competitive standard. Um, and it's a really cool way for me to partner with our strength and conditioning coaches on being the best we can for our athletes and getting them to the level we want them to be at.
0: Did you play a sport Alvet?
1: I didn't. I, it's one of my biggest regrets. I really wish I would have tried out for a team. Um, I played volleyball you gone soccer.
0: To if you were going to play a sport in college, what would you have done?
1: Volleyball. Volleyball. Yep, that was my. I, that's
0: why I asked because you did say if you could go back maybe to high school and and check some of the nutrition stuff, you would have changed some things. I mean, what would have been the yeah. biggest things you would have changed if you had to go back to high school from a nutrition standpoint?
1: Just eat more. Um, I think a misconception, especially with female athletes. So not as many, not as much with male athletes. But um, smaller is better, and smaller is not always better. Um, no. Um, and I mean, for guys, I we've done women I think- a
0: disservice and social media does yeah. not help with that. Just from a body's dysmorphia standpoint and you know, what you see and what it actually is. Filters don't help. Like there's so many things mm-hmm. that social media has not helped with that, you know, what you're looking at is probably not what that person actually looks like. That's why I don't filter anything right. on, on social because yeah. this is what I look like. So here's, yeah, here's real what life. it is. <laughs> what it is
1: exactly yes and so i I probably would tell my old uh younger self that you know being smaller is not always better you need to be stronger you need to lift heavier you need to eat more to support that growth um because i think i had that kind of mindset of like when i'm smaller i'm faster um or when i'm smaller i can move the ball like in a way that i want to but i don't think that i think that was was a very undereducated approach um you look at upper level
0: elite volleyball players they are Put together in a good like they are strong it was so
1: strong. strong and their they their legs are incredible yes. honestly like their trunk is just yes. they are ready it's for anything just, you yep. are not knocking them over yes. like they're so muscular yep. and like it's incredible yep. so yep. but it's the same for guys you know it's bigger is not always better it depends on your position it depends on what you're doing i mean Look at the pitchers that are out there. I mean, they're all same shapes and sizes. There isn't even an ideal standard for a pitcher because of that. Um, research hasn't been able to find it. That we've literally tried to find a standard for pitchers and there's none. No. No. <laughs> so I've asked a bunch of my friends and colleagues and they haven't been able to find one. So it you've been working what thing. you have. You
0: know, that's the difference with baseball than some other yes. sports. Is it is a highly skilled sport on both sides, the pitching side and yeah. the hitting side. And that's why it's a great sport, because all shapes and sizes have been successful playing baseball, and that's the, the magical and beautiful thing about baseball, is it doesn't matter what size you are, you can be really good, because there's a lot of skill, a lot of mentality to it, and so there's a lot of other things that come in to it besides physicality. You have to have some physicality, but to be an elite baseball player, like, that's that's a small part of it, the physicality
1: piece. There's so much more. You want it because yeah. you
0: want to stay healthy and and be able to withstand the punishment of an entire season. But the skilled part and the mental part are, are huge parts of that too. Do you have a fail forward yep. moment? Do you have something that was you thought was going to maybe set you back, but looking back now, it helped you move forward? Mm. Everybody has to answer this one. That's the one. That's the mm, one. Question that's that a that
1: good one too, man. A, um, I think. I would have changed my perspective on some things looking back. Um, I think I had a negative outlook on, so when I came back to TCU, um, I wanted the position because I wanted to be at TCU um, and I had to take a GA position, which meant getting another master's, which only psycho people do. Um, and so because I wondered I- that
0: I was like, okay, she's been at Northwestern. She's been at Florida. And then she's a, She's a GA at TCU again.
1: <laughs> yep. So I really, and it it worked out really well as far as like what my husband does and like moving here. It was a great move for both of us and it was kind of a dream and I just wanted to take any opportunity I could to get here. Uh, and so that was the opening that was there. And I was like, you know, I, I like prayed about a- any it. Any reservation
0: it. though? It's like, man, I'm going to be a GA again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I was like, I have to go to school again. Like, I have to, after being out of school for a year and a half, I have to go back to school and do this again. Um, and I was like, so happy to be done with school. I've never been like a test taker, academics, nothing like that. And um, I was not looking forward to it, but I, and I had a really negative outlook about the program um, that I was t- like, the academic program that I was taking. And um, I was, I looked down on myself for the position that I had put myself in. I thought i deserved better i thought that my experience level was was higher and man like i was wrong so wrong um like i said earlier more tools in my toolbox i learned so much um being a ga um learned so much in the at the academic level too it was such a different type of learning than i had had before and education that i've had before and so i was learning skills that i've never touched and Um, I am such a more well-rounded individual now because of that. And because of the graduate assistant position, Um, I had to face some really difficult things um, and become a tougher person. And I wouldn't be in the position that I am today Uh, and love my life and love my job every single day if I didn't go through that. And I have such a positive outlook on it then. So I wish I would have just been more open and more humble and, um, taken, yeah, you are, like, and,
0: and I love it because that's not the narrative that you hear now. And that used to be the narrative that you might have to take a step back to be able to really trampoline yourself forward. And that's not the narrative with a lot of people. Now I've got younger kids, well, 20 and 18, but like, that's not the narrative in their generation. I'm like, Hey, you may have to sacrifice a couple things here and there, but five to 10 years down the road, you're going to be a lot further ahead than, than where you're at right
1: now. Yeah, and only it's something that only experience can give you. There's just There you can read about it in textbooks all day long, but until you get out there and get the experience um, and take the opportunities, then you're not going to be ready for the next step.
0: Yeah, for sure. Be careful what you wish for. I, I try to tell coaches <laughs> that all the time. I'm like, I know you think that yeah. you're ready for this spot, but you're not, and if you get a job you're yeah. not ready for, you're probably going to get fired at some point.
1: And you should just, and my husband said this and spoke this truth to my, to me. And it's really wise. It's every, every stage of life that you're in, enjoy it fully for what it is. I am such a planner. I want to know what's happening in five years, 10 years. Like I'm a dreamer. That's what I do. Um, but I need to be more in the moment. I need to see what can I soak up? Yes. I need to, I need to soak it up and, um, remember and garner everything that I'm going through and be in the moment and really soak it up.
0: And, and the universe kind of shows you like what you think you want and what probably you actually do want are probably going to be two thing different things at some point. Exactly. So it's like, okay, you look up, it's like, okay, that was way better than what I thought I wanted. What ended up happening was much better than, than yep. what I thought I wanted. And that's where you just have to trust that, that whole process of it. Cause just yes. Trust that it's, trust gonna work the process. Out the way it's gonna supposed to. So, do you have any evening yep. or morning routines that you like that you go to? I mean, you talked about being consistent. So, do you have any consistent routines?
1: Yes. So I always have three meals. My life and schedule is nuts, but I wake up every morning. I do drink coffee, so I don't. I'm not against caffeine. I love my coffee. Big caffeine uh, coffee girl. I mean. Um, and then I have my breakfast. It always consists of at least a protein and a carbohydrate. And then when I can get a fruit, I always uh, throw a fruit in there too. Um, so whether that's toast and egg, whether that's a waffle and peanut butter, whatever I can get in bare minimum carb and protein. Um, same with my lunch. My lunch is more well-rounded. I luckily get to eat in our performance athletic dining facility. So it's not usually a challenge. Um, and then the dinner is the same thing. So, um, three meals is non-negotiable I always say that to my athletes and I say it's normal people I say you need that to just live and breathe the snacks and the pre-fuel and the recovery or to support everything else so I am very rigid in that um, and then I try to do um, some exercise in the evening whether that's even just just anything that makes my body feel good so even if it's just walking my dog whether it's um, getting an actual lift in or going for a run whatever I'm feeling that day I just try to um at least stay active because that's great. You yeah, got how you take care of yourself.
0: We talked about the Huberman Lab podcast. Any other resources for people to to dive into that that would help? Books or podcasts? Yeah. So,
1: yeah. so uh, BioLane has he has an Instagram, he has a PhD in nutrition. Um his name is Lane Norton. Um but uh, his Instagram handle is biolane. Um, he breaks down a lot of the nutrition hubbub that's out there, a lot of the misconceptions um, uh, about especially around supplements. He is very research-based. I learn a ton from him. Um, and um, I I love his stuff. Um, Hewerman is amazing. Um, depending on what you're looking for as far as resources go Um, from a coach's perspective. If you just want an overview of nutrition, um, there's a sports nutrition manual that's really helpful that at least gives you the basics about hydration, about, um, I'm sorry, pre-fuel recovery, basic meal structures, things like that. Um,
0: By the way, you and I both have our water bottles right now. So. I
1: know. <laughs> I know. I saw yours and I was like, you're one of the few hydrant. guests because I
0: drink the whole time. But you're one of the few guests I have that most guys just, they, most guests just gut it out. I'm like, I don't know how. Like, I have to I, have it.
1: It's one of those things, though. It's like, you don't know till you know. Like, you, yes. if you go unhydrated your whole life, you don't know what it feels like to be hydrated. Yes. Because even if I skip out on like half a water bottle during the day, I feel like so so gross i need my water and speaking hydration
0: what are some maybe tips for athletes or coaches to help their athletes i mean obviously is it the urine test still like when they're looking at urine you know what the color of the urine looks like is that a simple way to kind of look at it
1: sometimes um it really depends so like if you drink a whole cup of coffee your your urine's probably going to be pretty clear it's a lot of fluids but that doesn't necessarily mean you're hydrated. Yes, exactly. So it's not always an indication, but if you haven't drank anything, you know, too different from water, um, that can still be a good quick check in. Um, But I mean, baseline females should be consuming about 96 ounces a day. And then males should be doing about a gallon, which is 128 ounces a day. And that's bare minimum. I mean, that's not even talking about heavy sweaters or Um, working out, you should also be drinking while you're working out. That's more of like a baseline. Um, And it's small sips,
0: correct? Because it assimilates into the the bloodstream better. Because, I mean, people want to chug, but it's it's smaller sips, correct?
1: Yes. Smaller sips is always better. I always, whenever I used to do hydration testing uh, at Florida, we did it where we tested the urine itself to see how hydrated it was. I always had guys that would chug a water bottle before they did it. And I'm like, Screw you, honestly, because this is going to skew the results, and it's not even going to be accurate. You're not even hydrated. Um, but, yes, so it's, the idea is to small sips. Your body soaks it up, absorbs it, processes it, uses it way better whenever um, you're doing that, and it's continuous. It's like a real reading um, of how hydrated you are versus just, like, chugging a gallon of water right there What are there some
0: food options to kind of help with cramping as well if, if athletes – obviously, mm. if they get a blood work done and, and they're fine – But what are some some better food options, too, to kind of help with that?
1: Yes. So something that I also promote in those fuel boxes I referenced earlier with our guys is salty snacks. So um, I do, you know, pretzels in there. We've done goldfish. Um, We'll do Cheez-Its, things like that that um, have salt on them and have sodium content. Trail mix is really great um, during that time. I know sunflower seeds are really big in baseball as well. Those can be really nice for hydration. Um, So those are some things that I always put out and recommend, Um, but we also integrate some electrolyte supplements as well, especially as it gets hotter. Um, I always say, and this is a good rule of thumb: if you're pulling your hat off after practice, after a game regularly, and there's a white ring around that hat, you're a selfie sweater and you need to replace it with some electrolytes. So that's pretty much everybody for the most part. <laughs> so I definitely recommend, um, you know, some Gatorade or, um, some other electrolyte supplements that we use. Um, we use drip drop, we use, um, element um, we use like endurance packets, those kinds of things that help with, um, mitigating that.
0: What are some final thoughts or maybe something I should have asked that I didn't.
1: <laughs> um, trying to think. Oh, I do want to clarify the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist. So I know I've recommended that um, people talk to professionals when it comes to um, nutrition. And I do, if no matter what level you are, no matter if you're at high school, if you're a professional, whether you're at a club, doesn't matter if you're going to reach out to somebody, first of all, reach out to somebody to come talk to your team, even if it's just one time, that'd be really awesome. I know I've been always really open to the local high schools and things. Um, to go help them out. But look for a dietitian. The difference between a dietitian and someone that calls themselves a nutritionist is a dietitian has to have an undergraduate degree in nutrition. They have to go through um, a cr- accredited internship, which includes 1,200 supervised practice hours within the field um, in a clinical setting, community setting, food service setting. And then we pick our specialty. So mine was athletics. And then um, you have to sit for a two and a half hour, um, about 200 question exam to become registered. And those questions range from all of those different areas that I touched on that we get um, experience in. So it's quite a rigorous process. And now they've even added on a master's. So you have to have a master's in order to sit for that exam as well. Um, And so that is a ton of education and actual experience. Like I talked about earlier, there's there's nothing that touches experience and we have to get that in order to sit for our exam. Um, and a nutritionist is self-declared. <laughs> Literally anyone else can call themselves a nutritionist. It's kind of so, like anybody
0: can put a supplement out there. It's not FDA approved. So...
1: Exactly. And for so. listeners,
0: Jessica's actually jumping in on the strength and conditioning hot stove with us this year. So that was something that Jimmy Onadi, our our moderator, who's at an AT at Ohio State, he was like, can we make this more holistic going forward? And I thought it was a great idea. So I'm so happy that you're going to jump on with us. So make sure you, everybody come to the convention and get to hang out with Jessica during the strength and conditioning hot stove. It's going to be awesome. So Jessica, I appreciate yeah, your I time. Wait. I know you're busy. You're an AD now. So I know it's, it's busy. <laughs> so I appreciate you making the time for me.
1: Absolutely. Anytime. Thank
0: you so much, Ryan. I love doing our January lifestyle episodes. Hopefully this is a great way for you to springboard into the new year. Thanks again to Jessica for joining me on the ABCA podcast. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownleeatabca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coachb underscore ABCA, or direct message me via the My ABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks and leave it better for those behind you.